please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Good morning. This is Rick Bonfield from Rick Bonfield Ministries. I want to wish you a happy day, a wonderful day. We are at this very moment renewing our website. You're going to have a new website. And uh, and so we're beginning to deal with how to understand demonic activity, how to move into that area in our personal lives, how to be able to deal with that. And so this morning, oh, thank you for this coffee. Thank you, Lord. And so in order to get a a view of why deliverance is so important, You've got to look at the Old Testament because the Old Testament clears indicates to us that there's a lot of activity in this area. For instance, in Exodus chapter 20, verse 3, it says, You you shall have no other gods before me. In those days there were all kinds of man-made gods everywhere. Now, they were actual idols that were built up by men's hands. The Ashtaroths, the Molech, large idol that babies would be throwing in there in order to to get a blessing from Molech. And so when you begin to look at the Old Testament, it really, really points it out clearly that the presence of evil or rebellion against God was done by trying to substitute God. For instance, in Leviticus 26, it says, in the soul that turn after such as have familiar spirits, not to do with family, but things in series. Familiar spirits is when one evil spirit is equal to the next evil spirit, and they have commonality between them. And after wizards to go a whoring after them, I will even set my faith against that soul, and I will cut off, cut him off from among his people. So Moses is simply saying, we we cannot tolerate this type of counseling that guesses healing, suggests healing from the physical soul instead of being led of the Spirit of God. For instance. Deuteronomy 18, verses 9, and 10, 9, 9 to 15. When you enter the land the Lord your God has given you, do not lean to imitate the detestable ways of the nations there. Meaning, as you come out of Egypt and you cross the river Jordan into the area surrounding Jericho. You're going to find nations that have their way of worshiping their gods. Do not be a part of it. Let no one be found among you who sacrifices their son 
or daughter in the fire. That's the Molech, God who, who simply the priests of the Molech, God would say, throw your child in the fire, and I'll provide the, he'll provide for you the, your need. Who practices divination or sorcery. Now, divination is the ability to guesswork and speak out of the intellect disregarding the will of God. Interpret alms, engages in witchcraft, cast spells. Spell, spell is, is a saying that instead of saying the name of Jesus, you say in the name of that God and you, and you speak over a situation. It's a spell. It's a curse. Or who is a medium or spiritist or who consults the dead? And you remember that Saul went to see the witch of Andor and he wanted to talk to Samuel. And of course, you know, it cost his life. Look at look at Samuel, first Samuel fifteen twenty three. For rebellion is like the sin of divination and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. And so that's Old Testament. Now, in the New Testament, you're going to find a more detailed dealing of Jesus or the disciples with evil spirits. It becomes more personal because it's not a multitude of people led by a priest in the Old Testament. It's an evil spirit. So what caused, what caused an evil spirit to be assailing demonic activity in the Old Testament in general to the population by the, hand, by the mouth of one priest? Now in the New Testament, it's one evil spirit against one man of God. Jesus in one's so the, the New Testament personifies the battle as if teaching us that in terms of dealing with darkness it's between you and him. It's not between him or, or, or an idol that you have in front of your house. There's no more Ashtaroth, there's no more Lack God, there's no more Baal worship gods made by hands and there's no gold made of gold uh Lamb that you speak to it like the one in, in Bethel where where Ahab loved to go over there to talk to to that to that evil spirit. And the New Testament is more specific. It's you and somebody else. Now look at uh, Luke ten seventeen to twenty. And I want to take a little time, chapter ten, Luke chapter ten, verse seventeen to twenty. I wanna I wanna give you time to find that scripture. Luke chapter ten. 17 to 20. We will work in our studio and improving the quality of broadcasting. Maybe in the future we can put these scriptures on the screen. I don't know if it is possible, Andy, to put the scriptures on the screen. Yes, it will be. I have a list of So it would be wonderful to do that because now we are working and I'm studying ahead of time. So, Look at, look at Luke ten seventeen to twenty. The twenty seven, the seventy two returned with joy, and said, "Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Even the demons submit to us in your name." He replied, "I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven." 
I have given you authority to trample on snakes, scorpions, and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm. Nothing will harm you. So pay attention not to the to the to the snakes and to the the, the scorpions, which is a form of evil spirits. Think about nothing will harm you. Meaning that Satan has no power to harm a Christian that represents Jesus. Satan has no power to hurt any Christian that represents Jesus and speaks in his name. Satan has no power to, to assail a Christian praying and reprimanding evil. I haven't seen one. I haven't seen anybody hurt. I haven't seen anybody run away. As a matter of fact, Satan runs away. Do not rejoice that the Spirit submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. But the, the word here is submit. What the disciples were saying, the 72 as they went out two by twos throughout the land, is that there's no way that a Christian be harmed by an evil spirit, number one. And number two, do not rejoice that this happens. But rejoice that your name is written on the book of life. Your names are written in heaven. And so, it's a lesson here. It's not complicated. You know, you don't have to be sort of a... Evil spirits do not harm Christians that pray and reprimand evil. As we go into the nation, especially Peru, there's so much there. So much witchcraft, so much different gods. For instance, here's one in Peru that really, really, really shows shows you what a nation is so 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 defeated. As we go into the mountains driving at ten thousand feet high on a van, this driver is going around this mountain at sixty five miles an hour and on my right I could see about a thousand feet or two thousand feet below me. And so I finally yelled and screamed, tell him to stop. And I told him, listen, I hate to tell you, we can't go to this type of speed on this mountain. You find a rock and we're down there, you kill everybody. And he was very apologetic and correct his behavior and drove more careful. <laughs> I looked back <laughs> and there were five or six Americans in our team and they were staring at me. Nobody moved. <laughs> I, I, I will never forget that. You know what he did? He went to the back and opened the trunk in the back and picked up a, a box of candy. And, 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 and went down the road and offered the candy to the evil spirits of the mountains to protect us. Now, I wanted to give the candy to me. You know, I want the candy myself. But he will offer the candy to the mountain, the gods of the mountains. So that's, that shows you an understanding on how, how, you, how ignorant you can be over an area that Jesus very clearly came to destroy the power of darkness. So, let's take a look at another scripture. And as you read these scriptures, you begin to get the idea that there's so much here that we don't pay attention to. 
But look at Matthew 17, verses 14 to 18. Matthew 17, verses 14 to 18. By the way, our podcasting capability is not working right now, but we are going to work on that. And we, we have a bright future on that. And to get to here, it took two months to solve the problems. And Andy did a beautiful job in working out the problems and renew our computer and strengthen our computer and even put a light inside of that computer. Amen? Okay, so let's take a look. When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. In verse 17, Jesus responds and says, You unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied, How long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon and came out of the boy. It came, and it came out of the boy and he was healed at, at that moment. So let's, Jesus rebuked the demon. Rebuke saying, you can't do this. I reprimand you. Get out of here. The authority is to the evil spirit, nothing in relation to the father. Lack of faith. Nothing in relation to the boy that's on the floor in convulsion, but to the demon. So in situations where Jesus speaks, he clarifies the theology of this moment. You don't, you don't reprimand the person who has a demon. You reprimand the demon that is in the person. Amen? I hope that's clear. Good. Let's go to Matthew, Mark 7, 24 to 30. Mark 17, I'm sorry, Mark, Mark 7, 24, 30. Mark 7, 24, 30. Jesus left that place and went into the vicinity of Tyre. Kotar is, is on the Mediterranean Sea. And as you go down, you come to all kinds of cities that Jesus ministered to. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it. And did not want anyone to know it. Yet he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, he entered this house. A woman whose little daughter was possessed by an impure spirit, this is, came and fell at his feet. So the demon came out of the... The demon is in this little daughter. And Mark calls it an impure spirit. So it was something in relation to the little daughter and her habits, 
the way she act, the way she did things, meaning it could be a, could be a, a, a problem with uh, physical, it could be a problem with other people affecting her, but it was impure, meaning it's easy to know what is impure because you know what's pure. So find out what's pure, and right away you find out what's an impure. And so, the woman was a Greek, born in Syria, Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. That's a very interesting scripture. Because, if you hear clearly, it says, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by a pure, impure spirit. Mark wrote this book. It's the first gospel. In other words, in terms of chronology, Mark is the first gospel. It's the oldest gospel. Meaning, and then after that, the others, there are three synoptic gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and, and Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And so, John is not a synoptic. It doesn't, it doesn't parallel scriptures with scriptures. But there are three. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So, Matthew is the oldest one. And presents a woman whose little daughter had an impure spirit. So somebody here knew about what is pure. She begged Jesus because she couldn't do it. Now, right away, some of you will begin to say, Rick, why is it that I, as a Christian, don't have authority over something that is assailing my house, my, my daughter? It's very common. It's very common. In other words, the authority of the believer when it is a sibling of the situation in, that you're involved with has to be carefully analyzed because in every situation where the daughter is assailed, the spiritual cover of the house is the father and the mother and you have to deal with that first before you deal with a daughter. So, in many scriptures, that is a, is a true reality. For instance, uh, when Jesus came to a man and found the, the son, it's, it's, it's on the scripture. And the, and the, well, it's not on the New Testament. It's Matthew 17. We just covered that. Bring the boy to me. Jesus rebuked the demon. But before that, Jesus had to deal with the father. And as he dealt with the father, the, the son was delivered. So there is a response, of, there is a beginning, a, a moment in which you, you, if you're dealing with someone that is, has a demon spirit or an evil spirit, you don't begin with that child, you begin with the parents. As you deal with the parents, the power of Satan is totally broken and the child can be set free. Amen? Okay. Now, let me, let's, let's finish. Let's finish the, the, the Greek Phoenician woman. First, so she said, First, let the children eat all they want, he told her. For it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. The gospel at this particular moment in the, in the, in the, in the, in the New Testament, in the times of Jesus, in the early days, it was directly related to Jews. <coughs> and she's a Greek woman. 
And Jesus said, even dogs under the table eat the children's bread. And he told her, for such a reply, you may go. In other words, give something to these dogs like me who have no right of this great blessing. For such a reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. When did the demon left the daughter? When she appealed to Jesus for his participation. Notice that, that when the woman had a full flow of blood and Jairus is taking, taking the entourage to his house because his little daughter was dead. Remember, a woman that had an issue of blood for many years came from behind. In other words, when, when someone is tuned to the presence of God, when someone is eager to come close to Jesus, the possibility and probability of healing is very great. As you come into churches, churches after churches after churches, that we travel throughout the world, I can see in the altar someone that's coming down the line that have a great need. And that spirit in that woman, or that, that, her spirit man, her, 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 her soul is hungry for something. It's almost impossible to deny and to see. And, and so one of the things that I teach is how to be open to the presence of Jesus when there is a moment of prayer happening in any, any place that you go. You pr- first find that person because that's where Jesus is. You don't, you don't bring Jesus. He brings them. You don't... Yourself is the one that is going to do this. He is going to do this. And so you look for Jesus. <clears throat> Many years ago, it's I'd say perhaps 40 years ago, my father came to visit me here in Athens, Georgia. And we went into a church called St. James, it used to be United Methodist. And, and of course I'm translating his sermon. And so, in the midst of a Sunday morning, he stops the translation and comes to me and says, if you don't stop changing what I'm saying, I'm, I'm going to leave here, walk and get in the car. And I was really actually <laughs> changing his message because it was too hot to handle. And so, <laughs> he, he, he reprimanded me. And I got the idea. At that particular moment, I heard from the choir a grundle. And he said, there's a demon there. And I'm going there to reprimand it right now. Will you come with me and say exactly what I said? And he simply just lifted a hand and the woman fell on the floor. And we started Sunday morning service. So what, <laughs> what I'm saying is, you got to look for Jesus. You need to know where He is doing the work instead of you doing what you want to do. If you cannot, if you don't have the ability to pray and find Jesus, you shouldn't be at the altar. Okay, good. Alright, let's go to another, another, another scripture. It's, it's Luke chapter 4, verses 33 to 36. Luke chapter 4. 33 to 36. Luke 4, 33. Amen? I wish I I could have that on the screen because 
That will help you. Okay. Amen. Here it is. Then he went down to Capernaum. Now, already, you should know that this is the home of Jesus. This is where he stayed in the house of Peter. A town in Galilee. We've been there 14 times in my lifetime. I know how to get in. I know how to get out. And there is a, there is a synagogue there built 400 years after Jesus. But in the time of Jesus, the foundation is able to be seen. And the old, old balsamic rocks is able to be seen as they stand in the back of the, of the building. The one built 400 years after Jesus. It's kind of interesting. All the building, all the rocks, the pillars of the, the, of the synagogue after Jesus is thrown away in the trash in the back of the, the facility. Okay. And on the Sabbath, he taught the people. He went down to Capernaum, and on the Sabbath, he taught the people. They were all amazed of his teaching because his words had authority. Notice that. That when Jesus speaks, there's a sense of it's all done. There's authority. In other words, there's power in it. There's deliverance in it. There's healing in it. And so in the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon. Now the word possession here, it simply means something that stays. Oppression comes and goes. But possession stays. That's the definition of, of this word possessed by a demon. Meaning the demon has authority and control, manipulates the vocal, the vocal cords, the physical. And, and the state of that body is, is just not good at all. Amen? All right. In the synagogue there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. Now why does it say a demon and then says impure spirit? It's because there is a definition for impure spirit. I don't want to get into that because that's a lesson that we have to deal with as we go. But demons have names. And just to know it, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. I have so many stories of demons that try to penetrate the services and disrupt the services in a church or in a mission trip somewhere. Amen? And so he cried out at the top of his voice, Go away! Now, who cried out? The demon. Why? Because he's uneasy. A, a demon is somebody that is not ever in the state of peace. He's constantly tormented. Constantly crying out. Constantly bothered. You know how it is bothered? Especially when George is praying Georgia Tech and you're losing 20 to nothing. <laughs> That's how a demon feels. Okay? <laughs> Tormented. Somebody do something. I just can't stand this. Somebody. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just having a good time here. Okay, so. Go away, the demon says. What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Now, that teaches that Jesus 
The presence of Jesus is recognized and Satan knows who he is. So put your faith in Jesus and you're in good shape. Be quiet, Jesus said. Perhaps why? Because he's yelling and screaming. Come out of him. Now Jesus is not, he's mad. He's not, he's not putting up with this demon. Then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. Notice, he came out without injuring him. I told you that when you reprimand, when you reprimand a demon, nobody gets hurt. And this is repeated constantly when Jesus does ministry to reprimand the demon. Nobody gets hurt. Not came out without injuring him. And of course, who, who wrote this is Luke. Of course, Luke had an understanding of this because when he deals with demonic activity, there's a lot of fear. You know, at times, I pick up a bottle of water and I pour on the head of some soul somewhere. And, and the person is totally delivered on the floor. Never I met someone that actually was, how do you say, hurt or injured. Amen? All right. We, we, we talked for about 30 minutes. It's about a minute, point three. Let me have a prayer with you. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we reprimand every evil, every demon, every situation that causes unrest to the church of God. By the power of the Holy Spirit of God, O oh Lord, I stand firm on the belief that my Lord Jesus Christ the Son of the Almighty God has power to reprimand impure spirits, impure, evil. And I ask you, Lord Jesus, that uh, I be ready to reprimand evil without fear, without anxiety, without turmoil. I pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 